money got any money mercy me oh my oh man oh me can i get a few cents of that sweet money oh yeah oh no don't give me that you say you don't wanna know a thing about money you say you got enough in your hand you say you're too good and cool you wouldn't want a cent to be put down to pull you down to the deep unending sands of time would take you to make the dollar or dime when central banks are inflating everything beyond your chance of keeping it's like smoke by the time you're smiling they're weeping by the time you're weeping they'll be smiling at the dining table made of gold and silver behold real wealth in your hand it's not ones or zeros or paper understand true wealth is in the heart of gold and in the real gold and maybe it's not such a crime to want a little piece of the kingdom of man kingdom is upstairs all right that's a uh, uh, cold kingdom upstairs um we're going to talk about money money all right so um <clears throat> uh what got me thinking of this is in the last episode i was like you know quality over quantity you know i don't need a bunch of stuff to be happy you know i'm I wouldn't want like an enormous amount of possessions, which is true. But also, like I prefer quality possessions, like a few things of higher quality. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with, in my mind, with having a bunch of money. And I would like a bunch of money, you know, sure. I think it's kind of like money in that way is like power. It's not inherently bad. It's, it's bad. A bad person, the more money they have, the worse the problem it is. A good person, the more money they have, the better it is, the less of a problem it is, you know? Um, so they can give more. The more I have, the more I have to give, you know? Um, and so I think uh, that's fine. Um, and, you know, it'd be great if I had a home in Dublin, I have a home somewhere in the country, a little cottage, you know, oh, why not have a little pad in Amsterdam or something, you know? Nothing wrong with all that. I think, you know, to be able to go around and experience the world and you know have homes or like um be able to afford certain experiences like, oh, i can go traveling more often or i can go and um you know buy pay for this uh health thing there's some tea which is a hundred dollars but it's very good for you sure i'll just go do it you know that would be great at the moment my finances are more limited so i can't do that you know um so you know, very wealthy compared to say most of the planet. I'm in the top 
I think I'd be global one percent compared to you know I think if you know doesn't most people in the West would be in the global one percent of income um, but you know uh, so money can be kind of the the gold coins on Mario or whatever the 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 opportunity points I don't know if the Mario analogy is quite good but um, that they open doors to you money opens doors to you but the problem is you can get lost in it uh, right so I'm gonna today talk a bit about I think the balance between you know money like basically what's um the a balanced approach to money in your life you know um, and the decisions we make in our lives because of money and then collectively what money is doing in society um, so yeah okay uh, I guess just to get into the heart of it so you know what do you want uh, if you uh, want a bunch of things then you know uh, you want a new car okay then money can get you that thing but if you actually want a feeling of peace and um, contentment um, the car is not going to bring that that's a separate thing you can have the peace and contentment and have a new car and have a feeling of not oh, nice new car great um, but you know if you think the car can give you that feeling of fulfillment you're wrong right and you're gonna get disappointed because then you oh, I need a new thing now I need a speedboat or I need this or that um, so just being clear on what you want and what you can get from things um, just observing being keeping your eyes open and understanding the way the world works and life works um, so then I think oh you want to be at peace and you want contentment so accept the present moment and um, you know awaken uh, develop your consciousness start observing your mind learn to distinguish between yourself and your mind and be like wait a minute if I'm not my what do you mean my mind myself yeah, go figure it out. You know, uh, you know, you're not your mind, and the mind generates all the problems. Mind is very useful, but it's a problem-solving machine. So if everything's fine, it doesn't go ah, everything's fine and perfect. No, the mind will be looking for problems to solve, um, and so you need to have a kind of high degree of awareness. Uh, um, of like what's going on in the moment and who you are um, to be able to keep the mind on a leash, so to speak, and kind of, um, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, remain, keep the mind, the, what they say, you know, the, ma the mind is the perfect servant but a lousy master. So I think that's true. Um, so that's, that'd be peace. Go check out episode seven, uh, Awakening, if you want, you know, more details about the process there. Um, and then, from what I understand of it, right? But, uh, and then, uh, but you know, like, once you're clear on that, that's okay. But then, um, oh, yeah, I, I want to go hear some classical music. I want to hear some Bach, like, at this, you know, uh, whatever, the Rudolfinium in Prague or whatever. Um, is that their name? Rudolfinium? Um, you know, go to some concert hall and have this experience. That's an experience, you know, and you need money for that, right? Um, and it's, oh, why should I have money? It should all be free. But wait a minute, it requires effort and energy. Are you going to do everything? I don't want to do everything. That sounds like really tiring. 
I'm not going to do all the heavy lifting of the whole planet. I'm going to do my share, you know. But um, so how do we organize to make sure everyone does everything? Well, that's where money comes in. And capitalism gets a bad name, but I think very misguidedly. And we've, I've been there, I think, almost everyone who prays... Hmm, Everyone who praises capitalism properly has been, I think, almost everyone has been in the point of criticizing it and thinking it was terrible, but not understanding that, like, it's actually crony capitalism is what people are, should be angry at. And that's where people use money to basically buy political influence and then they, they change the, the game. They rig the game, basically, by setting regulations and taxes and things and laws in ways which make it um, so they don't have to really compete. Corporations don't have to compete with small companies. That's when you get a problem. Um, and it leads to oligarchy and the system we have today where there's mass disenfranchisement and people wasting their time where they have to slave away to get a little bit of money. And so a little bit of opportunity in life for slaving away, you know. And eventually I think people are st starting to realize the system is not fair. Um, but the people who <laughs> people who have the system intentionally built is not fair because it's not all just I think it's not all just accidental. A lot of it is intentional. There's certain pe billionaires who are like, we're so good at competing, we're gonna not let you realize that we're we're actually competing with you by um, removing competition, removing ourselves from competition through tax havens and a heavy tax burden for everyone else. Oh, for your own good but we'll be in our tax havens and, you know, whatever, slick, you know, accounting firms and lawyers protecting us and making sure we don't pay our fair share. And so then there's an uneven playing field for people to, you know, to make money. Um, that gives them more time, more opportunity at our expense. It's a parasitic relationship. Um, so you have that, and that's what I think gives money a bad name to a large extent. People thinking, oh, these people who are just taking from everyone and being materialistic, consumeristic, you know, they just care about consuming and getting, you know, wealth and the status and looking good and, you know, it's just kind of dumb. And that's fair enough, yeah. But um, but I think the system itself of money is a beautiful thing. Um, let's say, so we'll take, I'm going to take it on a simple, <clears throat> I kind of, I guess, might have covered a bit of this ground when we're talking about economics. Um in another episode, um, but uh, previous one, but basically, in a nutshell, um, uh, why do we need money? Well, it's a way of organizing. Um, we have resources on the planet, and the question of economics is fundamentally how to get the things people want and need, how to get them from where they are to where they are wanted or needed. Um, and so, you know, if you try to do that through a central bureaucracy, it doesn't go very well. Communism, you know or even socialism, like the way, the way we've got it now, it's heavily socialist all around the world, almost everywhere. There's a few places which are, you know, that's complicated. I, I honestly need to study it more to understand the exact situation, but there's very few places which are, you know, um, not socialist, um, meaning the, where the government isn't interfering in the economy to a huge extent. And so they, they take a bunch of money f through taxation and they're basically saying, we will be able to direct this to a place where it would be better than if we left the money in the hands of the people and let it naturally go where it went, which I don't think is true. Their idea is like, it would just sit in a bank account of some rich person. It's like, no, if it's in a bank account, then it's actually going to be reinvested because they don't want it just sitting there. They want to make money. So they lend it out to people who have business ideas.
problems that they want to solve. Oh, you've got a problem? You want something or you need something? Allow me to solve that for you and then I'm, you're going to want to give me your money, right? So banks go, oh, that's a terrible business idea. No, ooh, that's a semi-reasonable one. Maybe they give eight semi-reasonable proposals. They will fund and two solid gold. Definitely that's going to work. They'll fund or whatever. Maybe that's all it requires where so long as most of them succeed, they, they make a bunch of money. So this is what banks do. And traditionally when there's, again, less crony capitalism, um, more just free market, you could start a bank. You know, some a bunch of people work, who have been working in the bank for 40 years who at the moment have no prospects of, you know, because they're not licking the boots of their managers or whatever, they can't get up, you know. It wasn't so long ago that they would be able to go, well, we know how to run a bank and we have, you know, a certain amount of savings. So let's just get together like a 100 of us. We're going to start our own bank and, um, you know, get some loans to begin it with or whatever and, you know, engage with the community, give a fairer deal where instead of these people who are just being parasites on the people, we actually give a good deal. We will be able to start spreading and gaining market share and providing banking services. People give us our money, you know, every year we give them X percent, you know, profit for savings, you know, and because they're giving us this money, we can invest it and um, make money off it by, you know, oh, there are these businesses. You want to start a business? Yeah, we'll fund that. Um, and so it's good for the people, Everyone, good for everyone, right? So banking is not is actually a, a beautiful thing, done correctly, but just crony capitalism banking, where it's all politically connected and regulation says, oh no, if you want to start a bank, you've got to sign this three thousand page form, and if you make one mistake, you're going to jail, you know, and you need to pay this fee and that, and have all these people involved, and it takes forever, and you need to call people who don't call you back, and you know, um, so, but, so these are some ways where. You know, the um, economy in a socialist economy, which is what we basically have almost everywhere, and crony capitalism is a type of socialism. Um, socialism, not uh, as defined in the traditional sense of the government taxing more in order to spend more. So the government being more involved in the economy, that's socialism. Um, for the good of the people is the idea, but it doesn't usually work out that way, I think. But um, so. You know, uh, this is uh, uh, so to go back a few tangents, right? So money gets a bad name because of crony capitalism, but um, in a benevolent system where it was like, okay, we have a certain amount of taxation we need for the government, right? Um, then, but you know, we kind of keep out of it. There's a, um, a lot of people can start businesses, you know, it's normal people, and so you have this system where. It's just problem solving, decentralized problem solving. And so money is this method by which um, people go, okay, I have money, um, I want to save it, I'll put it in the bank, and then they can use lend it out to create new businesses, solving our problems, right? Um, oh, we need a new, we need this healthcare problems. Okay, well, those two doctors at that hospital are kind of tired of working for this you know, big bureaucracy, they want to start their own thing. Okay, they go start a clinic. You know, they don't need any permission. They just go do it. Um, and if they hurt and if they don't do a good job, if they're being lazy, people don't go back to them. And soon they go bankrupt and they're gone. We don't have to worry about it. You don't need a health inspector on 100 grand a year or 50 grand a year or whatever um, from the taxpayer's money going around and, you know, maybe abusing their power, shutting people down or whatever. Very simple. Just people don't want to use the service. They don't give them their money and they go bankrupt or they change 
start doing a good job and then they get people's money. Um, that's money. That's capitalism. It's um, very virtuous, it would seem. No? Um, and if they really cause a problem, if they hurt someone or kill someone by intentional, um, intentionally or by negligence, like just not being careful enough, the law is... Oh, we already have all the laws we need for that, which is basically um, if you... Um, if you made, like, say, intentionally, if you try to hurt someone or kill someone, okay, of course, you're in, that's murder or, like, assault, and you're in trouble, right? You go to jail, right? Um, if it's uh, accidental, also, um, negligence law, right, is that, it's like tort law, like, uh, if a reasonable person, the average person, would have been able to foresee that that was going to cause a problem, going to hurt someone or kill someone, so even if you didn't foresee it, if the average person would have foreseen it, then it, you are treated like, sorry, it doesn't matter that you didn't realize, and maybe you're even lying about that, but let's just presume you really didn't realize what you're doing. Sorry, there's standards in society, and there's consequences for that. So, you know, it's as if you knew, basically. Okay, so that's the law. So these two doctors go and start a clinic. They do their thing. Perfect. You know, they're providing medical care to everyone. And... The customer's always right. If they're being like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, doing a bad job, I don't know, like, there's good people, good and bad people everywhere. But, you know, I've had certain experiences with a doctor where I go pay a huge amount of money and they did nothing for me. They just wanted to get rid of me, basically. I'm like, hmm, kind of feel like I'm a, I'm a, a number to you, like, you know. Um, but then there's been other doctors who have, like, done amazing things for me and I'm really, really grateful. So not to paint, you know, everyone with the same brush or whatever. But I think there's systems which incentivize certain behavior, you know, and capital, free market capitalism as opposed to, oh, your medical bills are being paid for by the government, so I don't even need you, right? And I'm just in and out and doesn't matter and you've no real other option because it's too hard for people to start a clinic to compete with me. So, you know, these big clinic corporations where there's so many people involved, there's no real relationship between me and the owner. It's like, no, I'm talking, there's two doctors here, they run it together as partners and I'm here and I don't really appreciate the service, then maybe I'm going to tell them, hey, I don't appreciate this. Or maybe I'm going to go talk to my friends and maybe your business is going to be in trouble if your reputation starts suffering. And it's, it can, you know, take a lifetime or take years to build trust and a reputation. It just takes one moment to lose it, you know, um, or one, you know, uh, very interesting conversation from someone who s starts saying, oh, I got a bad experience from there. So in that kind of situation, you know, I think, the businesses are much more sensitive to the needs of the community. They would go for schools, um, go for uh, you know, clinic, um, health clinics, um, go for all kinds of businesses, right? And um, so they're more responsive. So that would be where money is serving, you know, the system of capitalism is being beneficial. So money itself is not a problem there. Now let's take it even one step more primal. So money, like instead of the alternative would be barter, right? Like, oh, I'm a fisherman. Okay, I have fish. Do you want some fish? What do you have? Like, um, I say you have, um, you're growing vegetables. I want your vegetables. Here, have some fish. And you're like, oh, I don't eat fish. I think that, you know, they're conscious beings. I'm not into that. Well, okay, fair enough. Um, well, uh, I hope you're not judging me too much for being a fisherman, but okay. Um, damn, I can't, I can't trade with you. I really want those vegetables. I, I'm too busy catching fish to do vegetables at the same time. Um, so then I go, okay, wait a minute. But our neighbor over there is um, makes um, clothes. 
and it's got uh, some blankets, say or whatever, you know. I go, okay. So, um, do you want? So I do you want some blankets? Oh yeah, I do. Okay, I'm gonna go trade. Hopefully, the blanket maker wants some fish. I'm gonna go trade it with uh, her, and then she, you know, and then lo and behold, she does want some fish. I get the blanket. I go to you. Here's the blanket. Can I have my vegetables now? Deal. So it's obviously not as efficient, you know. Barter's more people going like, oh, you have, you have a bunch of eggs or whatever. Oh yeah, you know, I have a bunch of vegetables. Oh yeah, we can do a trade sometime, you know. But it's not very fluid. It's not very flexible. Whereas if we all have a thing we can agree upon as having value, like money, like oh, this is a currency. This thing, um, you you know, let's call it the uh, the the docker. All right, that's the unit, the docker. Right, it's money, and it's this thing, and they all look the same. They're all, you know, interchangeable or whatever. Here, um, everyone in the community accepts this as being worth um, one, you know, certain price, like like a value. Everything's valued in terms of them. Bread is one of them, and usually, you know, a cup of coffee would be one of them, and whatever with you know prices. Oh, there's not much fish at the moment. Okay. Jamie here is going to raise the prices on his fish. He can get more money for it. Everyone wants it. There's not enough fish for everyone. All right, well, to figure out who really wants it more and so I can, you know, get ahead a bit and make some money and improve my house because i got another baby on the way or whatever it is, you know, um, I'm going to raise the price of my fish. And so the people who didn't really want the fish or didn't really need it, okay, they drop out of the bidding and they don't pay for it. But the people who really wanted it or needed it, they will pay a bit more for that. Um, and so the price of the fish goes up, right? That's just a simple way, economics, right? Um, but people are paying in terms of this Docker thing, whatever, the currency. Um, and so I can buy my vegetables with that. I, I, the fish, I, whoever wants fish, they give me these coins, and then I can use that to get everything I need. So it's much more efficient, right? And why does that matter? Well, we can solve our problems more quickly. Whatever you want and need, we can solve our problems with this. And now the problem, of course, would be if you just have an infinite supply of these, one person can just, you know, have a bunch of them and just buy everything. And then there's not enough for everyone else in the community. So um, we need things which you can't just copy and make out of nowhere. Things which are very rare, so you can't just copy it, you know. You could go looking for it, but it wouldn't be a big problem, right? So gold, silver, for example, things like this. Um, or uh, paper money if the government doesn't just print it to infinity, which is what they've been doing for like a long time now, at least 100 years. Um, and in recent years, crazy, just inflation. Where's the inflation coming from? Government printing your money. Just like, you know, everyone laughs about like, oh my God, stupid Zimbabwe printing all that money. Yeah, fast forward 10 years, see what, you know, the most advanced economies are doing. Um, so anyway, money is, you know, like what's the alternative? Do we want to have barter, you know, like, um, or a centrally planned communist economy? That didn't work so well, you know, and in principle, it doesn't really make sense. And then in practice, it's always failed. One more time. One more chance, baby. You know I'm good for you. Give me one more chance. No socialism. Abusive relationship. Get out of my house. Um, so, yeah. So that's, you know, the basics of money. It's per se, like, what's the benefit of money? Well, it's just a, a way of having a system of freedom and decentralized problem solving for the people, you know? Um, the only problem is when or one, the main problem is when um, someone uses a bunch of their dockers or whatever, and they go, hey, uh, the, 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 the village guard, right? Maybe there's three, three people with big sticks who 
spend all day working out and they're just tanks. They're just really strong. And they're the protectors of the village from, you know, wild animals or other villages or whatever. And um, let's say I'm the fisherman and I go, hey, lads, <clears throat> come here. Uh, I'm going to give you a bunch of money and I want you to go intimidate that other fisherman and, you know, get so then I can raise the prices of my fish even more. That's a, in a very simplified way. That's kind of what, you know, corporatocracy is or crony capitalism, which is basically a form of socialism. Um, but yeah, so where the companies basically rig the game by using money to buy um, the apparatus of state, which is meant to be independent. So the government is meant to just be protecting um, property rights. So you have your property, no one can take it. If someone tries to beat you up or kill you or take your stuff or f defraud you, lie to you, this is gold. Okay, great. I buy it. Hey, that's not gold. This is gold-covered chocolate. What are you trying to play at? Too late. Made the deal. Eh, that's fraud. The, the three guys with clubs come in and they, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Right? You have to go in the naughty corner for a day, Leonard. You know? So that would be um, a healthy system where um, you can't, basically your good faith is um, required, is enforced, right? Um, you can do whatever you want as long as you don't start depriving other people of their freedom to do the same. So, um, yeah, that's not what we have. We've, you know. So, okay. So I hope that's clear enough for my point there about like money and why, you know, it's a great thing fundamentally um, in society and there's no real alternative. It's the best system we have. It's not perfect, but, um, and of course, you know, some people will in nature, you know, um, there's the Pareto principle, like the 80-20 principle, 20% of people end up with all the land, 20% of, I don't know, the lions probably get all the lionesses, 20% uh, of uh, the musicians make all the hits or make, sorry, make 20, make 80% of the hits. That'd be, you know, 20% um, of um, uh, analogies make carry 80% of the uh, communication, etc. right? So there's um, a minority exercising majority influence. Um, and that's just all across nature. You see that and you see like hierarchies based upon that principle um, and it's not totally clear why this happens, I guess, but um, that it's kind of like a, a bell curve, you know, like a normal distribution where you've got extremes of a small number of people who are very, very good at something and a small number who are very bad, most people in the middle somewhere. That seems to be the pattern of things in nature. Um, and a wave, you know, um, and it seems that that over generations kind of tends to generate... Um, I don't know. Yeah, these systems where I don't I don't know. It's outside my understanding. But point being, you do have hierarchies where people will be at the bottom and they don't have much stuff. And I don't know if that would maybe be cured by a more free market economy, like for example what America had from between the Civil War, 1860ish, until the introduction of the Federal Reserve, 1913, when everything started going wrong. Um and they brought in the income tax at the same time, just for very rich people, not for the normal people, of course not. And then over decades, sneakily, but slowly and surely, they started bringing in the tax for you know lower and lower incomes to the point now where everyone's just taxed, you know, their lifeblood. Um, but uh, in order for a bloated bureaucracy, which doesn't really do a great 
amount of good for the people and which I think can't in principle and doesn't in practice solve problems as well as a decentralized system um, of the private market, uh, free market could. Um, you wouldn't want the government making your phone, you know, but apparently you want them providing your healthcare or schools, you know. Um, so, right, between, in that period, between the Civil War and, you know, World War One or like introduction of the Federal Reserve in America, they had enormous um, expansion of the middle class and all these immigrants from uh, Europe went there because they're like the American dream. You can have whatever you want, you know, like you can move forward, you can have social mobility. Um, it wasn't just like, now it's a cliche and, you know, a nightmare or whatever. Or the thing George Carlin said, you know, they call it the American dream because you have to be asleep to believe it. Um, but, uh, or believe in it. But um, but it was a real thing, you know, that um, people could, they basically you, you were given nothing by the government, but you were allowed to keep the fruits of your labor. Whereas in Europe, you weren't. Everyone was taxing you, like the kings and princes. They were, and, you know, the bourgeoisie or the, 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 the elite, they were, you know, they had it under control as they largely do today as well. Um, but then in America, that's kind of become more like Europe, European kind of style. Um, but nonetheless, like if there was that kind of system um, where people were allowed to keep the fruits of their labor and there's this enormous expansion of the middle class where people get there with nothing and then a third, of, there was no visa as well, and a third of people just went home because there was no supports. Or who knows why they went home, but a third of people didn't stay there. But the, those who did stay, their children were able to, you know, have a better life than they did. And then their grandchildren had an even better life and were going to university and things like this. Um, so maybe that system with modern technology would be able to totally avoid people falling off the bottom of the hierarchy. But Or maybe, you know, some element of socialism is required, some sort of safety net. So I don't know. I think possibly that would be one of the problems um imperfections of the system of money and capitalism that maybe we do need to keep a certain amount of taxes to support these people with a safety net and i'd think definitely as a tr um, all going well we would transition toward a, a more free market economy um and i think probably that's going to be inevitable because i think the system's kind of falling apart as we speak um although certain billionaires what might want to put in a centralized fascist kind of style system um china style um you know, central bank, digital currencies, all this kind of nonsense. Um, so central planning, again, you know, but I think the, the real solution is free market capitalism. Um, but I think, yeah, as a transition, it would be, you know, keep certain elements of the social socialism and welfare net, you know, but just transition in towards a, a more and more freedom meaning more and more lower and lower taxes and lower and lower regulation of individuals' economic life um, and and then start lowering the government spending and services what, um, after, you know, the private industry with, oh, we're keeping all this tax money and, oh, this, it's much easier to start businesses and do things, buy and sell. Okay, so when the economic growth starts happening, then you can start lowering the government spending because, you know, you won't need it anymore. Um so, you know, I'm not saying doing this overnight, but anyway, okay, so that's um, a general thing about money and why I think the system is uh, the best we have. It's not perfect, but okay. And then talking more on an individual level, more individual level about um, money in our lives. So, yeah, you can get lost in money and there's people who, um, but maybe let's talk, yeah, there's people who, 
you know they they they're not happy but they're just chasing money climbing the corporate ladder and someone told them that apparently that is where happiness comes from and so they and maybe it gives them a sense of purpose and a sense of um, achievement dopamine like motivation and like yeah look i'm doing this and that i'm busy and i'm wearing this cool suit and i'm you know going around the world or i'm you know being productive but at a certain point i think it can be just spinning your wheels where you're actually going through the motions but you're not really achieving anything it's like maybe you're making more and more money or maybe you're climbing up a ladder but why are you happy now and if if you are happy and you want to keep climbing it just because it's meaningful you enjoy what you're doing then great i think that's the whole thing it's got to come from joy and happiness and meaning it's not all necessarily about happiness although i think to be happy it makes it much easier to be having a positive impact on the world you're more balanced you know um generally i think that feel good state is kind of has evolutionarily basically if you pull open the hood you know look under the bonnet like what's going on when you're happy i think it's like you, your life is aligned with basically you're living in harmony with your environment probably that's like a signal of a yeah good keep doing that keep doing that it's a feedback loop to help us or an alarm system to help us know like okay what's the right path so it's not like oh happiness isn't important you know just help the world or whatever i think happiness is important um you don't want to be selfish and narcissistic and hedonistic but yeah like uh, i think it's a guide rail sort of thing which is kind of like if you're not happy then okay you're probably doing something wrong are you not like why wouldn't you be happy something going off yeah so um but so if you're happy and you're you know pursuing money and that's just just an extra thing yeah cool it's just fun then cool go go for it if that makes you happy if that's what makes you happy if that's fun for you or meaningful or if you're pursuing it you're happy but then you're climbing the corporate ladder because um you it as a means to an end so it's not intrinsically rewarding but you're going to be able to get you know a boat that you want or a house that you want and you're kind of playing the sims in real life you're getting op- opening money is opening the doors to experiences and possessions that you want then sure great if that's what you want go do it you know what's wrong with that you're not hurting anyone people might say you're hurting the planet but i don't think so really actually like um try to you know not be littering around you know but um uh you you're an animal you're an earthling you have a right to be here as much as anyone else so live your life and it's a messy sometimes it's a blurry line with the rights of say what wildlife in general and then humans in particular but in general i think i'm not one of a person who thinks yeah get rid of industrialized society that'll be better i think the flowers of consciousness that humanity provides are you know mother nature absolutely loves it and wants it us to be here um we're not a parasite um there are parasites um, in our midst that's for sure but um uh humanity is definitely um beloved by our mother and we have a right to be here and to live your life have your experiences you know participate in the market and buy and sell things consume sure but i think it's like do whatever is fulfilling to you and you will slowly over time start to evolve 
naturally to a point where your joys and your sufferings, especially your sufferings, are going to teach you um, and you're going to grow more and more conscious. And so just naturally over time, you're going to refine your tastes. Like someone who starts drinking dirt, instant coffee, and then, ah, oh, oh, this coffee's delicious, this filter coffee. And then, oh, oh, this mocha, you know, percolator coffee, you know, that's really good. And then eventually, it's a bit metallic though. What's going on there? Have you noticed? Mm. And then, oh, this espresso, oh, that's the stuff. Your, your tastes get more and more refined through experience. And so I think people through a lifetime and seemingly probably over lifetimes, many lifetimes, um, we um, definitely within families, you know, lineages, um, you can, lessons can be learned. Um, and so we become more and more conscious, more and more towards the ideal of our better side and earning our place, you know, as at the apex of the global pyramid. But so, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with wanting money and wanting to experience things and all the opportunities that money can provide you. Um, and a lot of those opportunities, why do they cost money? Shouldn't it just be free? It's like, well, like we said, you know, there are costs for things. It requires energy, it requires materials. So that, you know, if someone's like, oh, that's so expensive. Like, yeah, but that doesn't really matter. It's just the only real expensive should just be pejorative if it's overpriced. I'd say expensive is neutral. Overpriced is a problem. Oh, they're trying to take too much money off you. But then again, if they can do it, if people want to pay it, then okay, I guess that's their right to do it. No, it's voluntary. You don't have to. They're not putting a gun to your head. If you don't want to pay that for it, then don't do it. Um, but if it's worth it to you, you will do it. Um, so voluntary, mutually beneficial in exchanges, freedom. Um, but then uh, there's a bunch of things where maybe the person is like, well, look, actually, this is very high level you know, information I can give you or a very high quality of service in general or product. And so either the input costs are very high, so I'm going to charge a, a lot for it. And you might think that's ridiculous, but actually it's just necessary. This is my cost. These are my costs. Um, and you might, so that's quite, you know, things might be expensive, but it might be worth it. Or even just they can charge that and people are willing to pay it. So that's just the way it is, you know. Um, so, yeah, money can get, allow you access to these things. That said, so many things in life, I think the best things are free. You don't need money to, have, to be breathing, you know, or just to you need money for food, I guess. Um, uh, although in most, you know, advanced uh, economies, so to speak, like the industrialized world, you know, I don't think people are starving. Like the government will provide you the basics to eat, you know, um, and survive. And uh, I think really you just need to be with your, ultimately, like just awakening. That's all you need. Like um, you don't need money for that, you know. Um, that's the, the greatest pleasure there is and, and joy, really. And so, but, you know, or being with family, love, um, uh, watching movies. There's a lot of things you can do for free on the internet. You know, I guess you need enough money for an internet connection. But the point, I'm sure you can, you get the idea. There's a lot of things that um, don't require money. And I think there's a great opportunity for simplifying things and just finding ways where like, oh, actually I don't need to eat out. I'm just going to make my own food. And I put in a bit more time, but less money. So, and there is that aspect of sacrificing time for money. 
which is why money really has value because we don't have unlimited time. We need to sacrifice time for money, um, time and energy. Um, but so money can bring these things, right? That's and not just experiences and possessions. Uh, money can also um, so bring you uh, relationships, <laughs> right? So if you if you want to start a family, for example, if you're not if you don't have money, if you're not working, then how are you going to support the children? How can you have a relationship with your children if you don't have money, right? And you might think, well. That's not fair because I want to be, I want to have a, have children. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the wolf can be like, it's not fair that all these deer are so fast, you know, or the deer are like, it's not fair that wolves exist. Like, well, yeah, but, you know, have fun complaining about nature, you know. Wouldn't it be wiser to just kind of learn how to go with the flow and play the game well? Um, and so there's a certain, you know, extent to which it's true, like, you know, and Working can be great if you love what you're doing, you know, if you give your, do your best, whatever you're doing, you know, I've been a dishwasher and a, you know, waiter in a pizzeria and, you know, this and that, like small things, um, some apprentice chef in some burger joint in Edmonton, Canada, um, and, you know, gre done some greasy, hard work, um, and uh, I always did my best and so I always felt a sense of pride in it you know and um, there's infinite room for doing your best no matter what you're doing think do your best you know and then um, you can move up hierarchies get better jobs you know or at least make the most of that experience and maybe people will treat you better because they see you're putting in effort most people will the people who really matter will do that um, so but anyway making money will you know for example having children and for that matter, attracting a partner, um, especially, I think, you know, some people might take umbrage with this idea, but I do think biologically it's built in and apparently you know, it makes sense in intuitively and theoretically, but it's backed up by research, I believe, um, which is that um, women in general are um, more attracted to men who can provide, like, um, who are financially stable. Um, and I think there'll be exceptions to that. And I'm sure it's not like a black and white thing, but it's going to be an influence, you know, a big influence. <clears throat> so if you want a long-term relationship and you're a heterosexual male, then, you know, you can complain about money, but you could, you know, and be cynical. Oh, why do they want money? Shouldn't they just be, you know, a woman, I want a woman who can hang out with me and just, you know, I don't know, go to the public library and read books together and just, you know, not pursue money. Cool. Then do that. But, you know, if you just want a relationship with a woman in general, then maybe you would need to see the ground there a bit and kind of go, yeah, okay, maybe I'm taking this anti-money thing too seriously. And maybe, you know, it's natural to be able to want access to opportunities and protection from starvation should the apocalypse hit or something or, or just, you know, to be able to have enough money for good schools for the kids or whatever. There's a natural, it's a rather beautiful thing, I think, if you take a step back, the idea of, abundance and prosperity and within your and affluence within your own life spiritually first but then also like materially why not you know be a flowering garden you know and um be bountiful have great harvests by your hand you know with working in the world and kind of like noble sacrifice you're sacrificing your time and your energy to get resources that's kind of a beautiful thing and then it makes it more enjoyable when you're just chilling out i think um and then also spiritually you know like 
making and it th- these things mirror each other so um if you can do that in the world then i think it makes it easier to have discipline self-discipline and um be able to make sacrifices in your internal world in order to be in balance and be an attractive balanced you know interesting whatever happy person um and so that would be another example of like relationships where i think money um if you get too caught up on an anti-money thing it could be limiting yourself um in certain ways um what else um status right so now this is one where you know i think um and for sure i think it's possible with just to finish with relationships for sure you can find people who would be like you who have a you know don't think much of money or whatever but i think just in general that is a pattern to be aware of you know um and i don't think it's something we need to be like off resentful of it's like oh it's just natural i'm sure the 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 bears are the same the birds are the same you know birds would go like oh is this male able to bring in enough worms for the the babies or look at the nest they make how creative are they and that's another thing it's not just about bringing in you know being hard working but it's admirable qualities that i guess makes you admire the person but on and humans it wouldn't be just biological i think but the biological basis of it is you can provide for and protect the young you know that's the whole bottom line of evolution is procreation you know um and so all we have our free will kind of surfing these waves but the waves themselves are largely generated by the patterns of um evolution and procreation you know and that's kind of fun it's like you got your free will and this enlightened free perspective but you're engaging with and kind of embodying half the time these kind of comically biologically grounded animal impulses it's like, what? amazing you know um so like the joy of say um you know me i don't know taking care of my girlfriend right i'm like yeah it makes me feel wonderful you know and in some way that's like i'm sure the bear who's like doing good and the woman's like yeah cool i like this um cave you've got and defended from the other bears she's probably feeling a similar thing of like yeah i'm in my element i'm doing my thing you know i'm in balance or whatever with my nature and purpose on the animal level um but so, but yeah humans of course we can kind of transcend that more and more throughout logic and reason um we're not totally you know dictated and de- determined by it but so okay back so that's rela- relationships but um status i think a lot of people again like a, a lot of people will pursue money for status because that you know people are going to see them whether it's you know um a man trying to have a relationship with a woman and thinking you know in general women women marry across and up uh hierarchies so um whereas men marry across and below usually um so is that right uh wait did i get that right um yes exactly so like um usually in general um if you look at marriages whatever women would be marrying people who are at their level financially or kind of these analogs like um social or political say status um or higher above you know um they wouldn't really be going down below usually um and the the opposite for men and so that's a pattern in nature you know um but so that's one driver of course say for men which is the more masculine of the the you know status pursuit of status is more of a masculine 
um, pattern. Women can have that, sure, of course. Um, and men can have more feminine patterns. That's fine, whatever. But, um, but yeah, that is the pattern. Um, and partly that's biological, you know. And then also, of course, just competition. Just once it's there, consciousness is flowing within this milieu. It's like just keeps the snowball effect just keeps going. Like oh, the love of competition for competition's sake and the desire to be the best, you know, at whatever you're doing. So there's layers to it. But, um, but people, yeah, pursue status. But I think uh, the unhealthy part of it is where, again, it's you're not clear on what you want. You, well, I guess in a way it's, it's healthy. It's just a lower level of consciousness. It's like you are pursuing status so that you look good in other people's eyes. But why do you care what other people think of you, you know? Why don't you just care about being good in your own eyes? And so if being good in your own eyes, um, if achieving some sort of status, like being a, you know, the, a really loved musician or artist or you know, business person who creates all these services which help people, if that really helps you feel really good about yourself and like you've achieved your purpose, you've sung your song, you know, you've given your gift, then wonderful and pursue that. I think that's the healthy kind of way um, to pursue status where it's um, like a, the achievement of a dream that's important to you. So it's not really the status so much as the dream. Um, uh, but, but then there are people who want status um, because of what it will give them. And so it's a, a kind of uh, an intermediary. Um, and so they want, and they can, uh, they want status so that people respect them and so that they can feel good about themselves because other people are telling them, oh, you're really good. And, you know, they get invited to the right parties or whatever. Um, and so maybe they want money because money will give them the status. Status will give them these other things like interpersonal relationships or, um, a kind of lifestyle being involved in certain groups, etc. Um, so I'm not really into that personally, but I think if, if it makes you happy, then I don't, I wouldn't have scorn against it. I just think probably the people who do that eventually would realize like, oh, actually it's not that satisfying to be living vicariously through how I appear, I appear in other people's eyes. Like I think it doesn't really give you what you're expecting. That's just my theory. I don't know. Maybe it is very, very satisfying. I don't know. But so money can be pursued for status. And then I think a lot of the time it causes people to get bitter if you're trying to do that. Um, or just to get away from yourself because we're all going to die. You know, you're going to go, oh, I'm really happy. I made all that money and got all that status and people really respected me. Or you're going to go, hmm, well, actually, maybe I should have put a bit more time into um, just following my own bliss and like, doing what made me happy and what made me feel like I was giving my gift um, to the world. Like that, what's it, the guy, uh, the Rockefeller? Is it Nathan Rockefeller? No, I don't, I don't know what it is. One of the Rockefellers, right? I think he was the richest man in the world at the time. This is like 100 years ago, was it? I'm not sure. But he, on his deathbed, someone said, you know, um, you know, you're still making all this money, you know? Do you really need to be making more? How much more money do you need, you know? He's already insanely wealthy and he's still working till the day he died. And he said, apparently, uh, just a little more, you know, and it's always more. And the thing with more is it's like uh, tomorrow never comes. 
by the time tomorrow comes, quote unquote, it's today, and there's a new tomorrow. So more, you know, you, in a way you can have more. Oh, now I've eaten more. I'm full now. Or, but another way, more never ends. You know, a bit more heroin, a bit more money, a bit more, um, whatever it is. Um, and so money, I guess, in that way, can obviously be a kind of addictive thing where you're not getting what you expect from it. Um, it's not giving you what you expect it to give and you need more and more of it to get the same level of satisfaction and it's starting to limit your range of enjoyable activities where you start getting obsessed with it. That's kind of like some hallmarks of addiction and it seems like money does that for a lot of people. Um, I guess largely because it's connected to certain things like, you know, we've mentioned connected to survival and a lot of people are just afraid. Maybe their parents are really poor and so they go way deep into trying to get money. Um, but I think, and, um, but yeah, there's a balance there. And so for example, a lot of people who I grew up with, like I remember being a teenager and kind of feeling pretty cynical about money. Well, at first I wanted a lot of money. Uh, I was like, all excited about that. And then some had some experiences which kind of caused me to reset my perspectives a bit. And I kind of fell into this sort of, or soared into this kind of bohemian phase of like, uh, you know, oh, you know, Jack Kerouac on the road and just wanted to travel and drink wine and, you know, do whatever and just hang out and play music and have experiences. And I, the idea of possessions and money seemed kind of silly to me. Um, and I think that was a necessary stage for me to grow through, you know, so that's, that's all good. I'm grateful for that for that. It was a great time, you know? Um, but you know, I think there's a bunch of people, you know, it's an, in comfortable when you're comfortable in society and your parents are paying for a lot of your stuff and you've got, you know, free rent or you're paying a little bit of board, but you're living with them. And in general, in your society, it's pretty easy to get things. You can do a bit of work and get a lot. Whereas, to get the same level of um, lifestyle in some third world country, you would need to be working far more hours. Um, there's sort of these, and when you're in a comfortable context, it's easy for you and for us, like I was one of these people, to not really appreciate money and to kind of not understand the value of money. And for example, the value of, okay, maybe I want to make some sacrifices with my career. Maybe I want to be practical and get a job where I have a career, like study something which is going to get me a job. And, you know, I would usually think do something that you're passionate about. But I think there is something to be said there um, for something practical so that you set yourself up. And so in the future, you will have a, f a foundation of resources coming in where you can kind of have a stable life and focus on what you want and, you know, start a family or um, go traveling a bunch or have a bunch of free time activities. So I think in general, a lot of the people in my friend circle growing up, we would all have been like, um, maybe some are still kind of seeing it this way. I don't know. Um, it's kind of like, oh, money's a drag, you know, wouldn't it be better if we didn't have money or money? But then if I talk to my students, because I teach English as a second language or foreign language, whatever, and um, a lot of them are coming from pretty, uh, more deprived backgrounds. So there's Somali refugees, there's um, people from uh, Brazil who, you know, 
might be middle class or lower middle class um, or, you know, people from China or Japan or um, Vietnam, um, you know, some part of wherever, um, all over the place. Um, and they, almost all of them are like, oh yeah, money, 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 very important. And they all want money and they love it. And to them, it's this beautiful vision, this idea of money. And so that I think has had a countervailing influence on me of being like, hmm, what's so bad about having money? You know, why do they all want money? And I think a lot of it is, yeah, if you don't have enough money, it can be a terrible thing. And you can't, good luck being your, your true self and kind of raising your head above the, you know, right, raising your eyes to the stars if you don't have enough money. Now, you don't need it. You can be like these yogis in India, you know, with nothing, just a, a mendicant's bowl going around begging for food, um, wearing the saffron robe and you're doing yoga and connecting to the universe. And sure. But I think a lot of people in between that extreme, um, it's like if you're stressed or if you're working three jobs and you're stressed and you don't have much time for, you can kind of get trapped in this thing where, um, it's hard to really appreciate your life and to be your best self. Um, and so there is something to be said for maintaining a certain baseline of money um, and resources, the opportunities that money brings, um, in order to maintain homeostasis. Because um, I think there's a certain point of pressure where you don't have enough resources, where um, for every increase down the scale of pressure, you need to have a greater consciousness to manage it. You know, there's levels of poverty where I probably, I would not be able to manage because um, I'm not, you know, say wise enough or spiritually grounded enough. Um, and so, and I don't really want to go there. <laughs> I mean, if I had to, I would just, I would do my best to enjoy it. But, um, you know, I think there is um, something to be said for the balance of having enough money. However, I think, say my students, um, the perspective they could benefit from is, this more middle-class perspective of, let's say, middle-class bohemians of being like, well, um, where does it end? So actually, apparently, studies show, um, studies show uh, that uh, after you've got your basic needs catered for, um, increases in money don't correlate to an increase in happiness. And so I think that's the thing where people, like, say, the Beatles, they got everything really early, fame, money, you know, other things. And, uh, they said, you know, we, they realized, Oh, it's not it. There's something more. And then they went into spirituality. And so I think the, and kind of, you know, back, I guess, just into creativity, you know, creating and, um, enjoying art and, you know, as well as that deep spirituality. Um, so I think that's the kind of the middle ground. It's like, um, between being struggling on in a slum and kind of being, um, bored out of your mind, you know, in business school, in middle class, Western country or whatever, um, Western, you know, context, um, some sort of me meaningful middle, you know? So, um, now to, to do that, it seems like to me, the bait, there's a kind of a three thing for, for your career or, or the balance of your, cause you have to make money. Everyone has to earn their place in the universe more or less, except for the Rothschilds, right? They just need to kind of, um, we earn the money. And um, we earn their the right not to get slaughtered, hopefully. Please, God. Um, so, uh, uh, 
no offense to any potential oligarchs who may or may not be um, running the planet. Um, we're all brothers and sisters. Um, some of us just have nicer clothes um, and work fewer hours. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so I think the triangle, the all-seeing triangle of uh, what would be beneficial in my mind for um, kind of if like someone was like, oh, I'm trying to think about what career to do, like my path with money, how am I going to interact or um, engage with that across time in my life? I think three things to think of are what are you, what are you good at? And so things that you're not good at, you probably shouldn't be doing that for money, right? That's not going to work. Because um, how are you going to solve people's problems and make money, whether it's as your own business or if it's you're working for an employer? Oh, an employer needs someone to teach a class. I can do that. Okay, I'm solving their problem. They give me money. And the school is solving these people's problem of you don't speak English. Here, we'll help you with that, right? So whatever it is, you need to be something you're good at and simultaneously something um, that you you enjoy doing. So maybe I think um, I could, I don't know, I'm, I might be good at, i got a pretty good memory. So um, there have been times where I consider doing law um, and like thinking, I think, you know, I feel like I could kind of understand the way rules are framed and like how they interact and stuff, but it kind of bores me a bit. So I'm not really interested. It's not quite in my mind, creative enough. I don't know, it can be very creative. But, you know, just I kind of felt like it wasn't quite for me. So I, I used, was studying that and then I stopped in the past um, because I didn't, it didn't meet that enough for me, like of what I enjoy doing. You know, it makes me feel like, yeah, I'm alive and that's this is why I'm here. Um, so something you're good at and simultaneously something you enjoy, right? So that's like the overlap there of those circles. It's like a Venn diagram. And then we add one more circle, okay, where, uh, which would be um, uh, what can make you enough money for you, the lifestyle you want. And so, say, law would tick that, tick, yeah, and then also, yep, yeah, ticks what I'm good at. I think, I didn't go all the way, so I don't know, but I feel like, um, and my brother's, you know, a good, a good lawyer, so it probably runs in the family, you know, um, so that would overlap there, but it doesn't overlap with the what I'm I enjoy doing. I feel right. So, but then maybe um, certain other things like maybe, or I could um, uh, I don't know, be uh, a wandering minstrel. You know, play music and recite poetry. I think I could do that well, and I think I would enjoy it. But then, is it going to make me money? Uh don't don't think so. Um, so it wouldn't tick that. So you're trying to find that overlap of those three circles. Um, and there could be some feedback where the more you enjoy something, the more you're going to practice. And so then the better you'll get at it. And then the better you get at something, the more money people are willing to pay. Um, or the more money people are willing to pay, maybe the more you enjoy something. Um, or the more money people pay, the more you're willing to do it. And so you'll get better and practice. So there's these kind of feedback loops but these overlap of those three principles. I think if you can find something you're good at um, or you think you could be good at and that you enjoy or you think you could enjoy and that will make you money or you think could make you money potentially. So I think that's kind of in my mind the thing I have in my head. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe you want to put it in your head or maybe you don't want me putting things in your head. Then why are you listening to this podcast? Um, so 
Yeah. So that would be money. Um, anything else to mention with money? Uh, I mean, I guess like we could go into how it should be ba backed by gold, put on something where they can't just inflate it, you know? Like traditionally it was backed by gold. Okay, if you're going to increase the money supply government, then you need to have more gold in the vaults. And that was a way of maintaining, making sure that the you didn't just keep printing money out of thin air and then ruining the economy because every dollar in your bank account, when they increase the money supply, say by 10%, as they have, I think they've what, they doubled the money supply in America the last few years, something insane, you know? When you do that... Um, you you don't just magically increase the number of goods and services in the economy. No. You just increase the number of tokens which can be traded. And so now some random dude can go and buy up a bunch of stuff and there's not enough stuff for other people. So that doesn't... And the people who get the tokens when government prints money is the gov government's best friends, the big corporations who are connected to them. And that's what happened during the COVID period um, and has been happening for a long time. Um different ways but so basically what happens there is um there's only a certain value to the economy which is the sum of all the goods and services being offered and you can't exactly quantify it but there's some rough you know you can make a rough comparison of value or oh, this this um economy compared to that economy there's more goods and services available so it's wealthier right it's very clear simple um and so by printing more money um, you're not increasing the quantity of goods and services. So what actually happens is the value of the economy is now just divided. Instead of being divided by X units of currency, it's now divided by 1.1 X if you increased the supply by 10%. And so the value of each unit, each docker or whatever, each unit of currency, it goes down. And so it's a hidden tax on your savings. The government has been taxing you without your consent um, your whole life, but especially recently, um, where the money in your bank account, say you have $20,000, and the government goes and prints extra 10% of the money supply, now you have, I don't know, $15,000 in your bank, or $18,000, less, right, um, by what you can buy with it. You go and try and buy the same things you could have bought with your twenty grand, you won't be able to buy it anymore with the twenty grand in your bank, because prices have gone up because they just increase the supply of tokens and the bidding war goes up and and that's the way it works. Uh, so that's why it's never worked in the past. didn't work for Argentina or Zimbabwe or the Weimar Republic or ancient Greece when they or Rome when they devalued currencies. It never goes well. Um, so um, that's what we're doing. So that's, I think, just a few things to mention with money at the tail end here that are kind of probably pertinent um you know um so there's that uh, so you know they're able to just print money and so then it, it's a hidden tax on your savings um you had to work sacrifice your time and energy to get that money they just whoop, i suck your milkshake i drink your milkshake you know they just take it um and a second way there's three ways they can tax right they can just tax you and they do that often there's in Ireland, there's all these little sneaky taxes with nice names. And you're like, wait a minute, how much tax am I paying? It's hard to add it all up, you know? Um, and then um, there's the inflation where they're, they're getting money um, by printing more and without asking you. 
and not doing anything for it. So now they've got more money to spend. Um, most of it goes to their politically connected entities um, and that's at the expense of normal people from their bank accounts. They've got less purchasing power now. And then the third way is debt by borrowing money that has to be paid back in the future. And given that money only comes from taxation, whether by direct taxation or by sneaky inflation taxation, um, same just as before, it leads back to the taxpayer paying, losing more of their savings. Um, so if it's not now, then it's your grand, your children or grandchildren paying it back. So there's these three ways, um, uh, taxation, inflation, and then borrowing, where the government can just take our money, basically. Um, and largely without our consent, like a lot of the basic ideas, like I believe in uh, taxation and supporting a state, but I think like, what's the limit? If it's like, okay, we're going to double the number of uh, civil servants um, and we're going to make sure they've got real nice mahogany desks. We're going to have like an aquarium. It's going to be really beautiful. It's going to be an aquarium in the main lobby. You should see the designs. We're, at what point do we go, uh, this is way too much of our resources. What are we doing? Like the bang for our buck is so, it's not worth this. You know, you take from one hand and you give back with the other. And in the meantime, you burn up a bunch of the, the wealth through, you know, uh, inefficient bureaucracy or people who aren't doing their job but don't get fired because their unions don't want them fired. And, you know, if the government doesn't do a good job with a service, what are you going to do? You know, you can't, it's not like capitalism where you can not give them your money and then they go bankrupt or they have to adapt if they're not doing a good job, usually they'll just get more money because, oh, we got to put more money, raise more, raise taxes or borrow more. Um, don't tell them we're raising taxes. Um, and so that department gets more money. Oh, that must be the problem. They don't have enough money. So uh, there's the, all these ways where our money kind of gets sucked out of us um, and through main, you know, or ma maintaining monopolies where these companies are friendly with government and they can kind of have the rule set in a way which benefits them or they have, you know, certain no bid contracts or maybe it's bidding contract, but you know, certain uh, exchanges happen and uh, whether that's words or other things being exchanged, um, threats, <laughs> promises, um, envelopes. Um, and lo and behold, certain people get the contract and maybe they weren't actually the best person for the job. So there's many ways where um, there's unfair interference in the, the playing field of competition. And again, we are, end up paying more than we should, whereas if there was free competition, we'd be paying a lot less of our money out for the goods and services to support ourselves. Um, so these might seem like petty things, like what is, uh, is this relevant? Or maybe someone who's more spiritual might be like, I am on the mountain, I am fine, none of this matters. And in a way that's true. But um, in another way, you know, por qué no los dos? Why not both? You know, uh, it's also true that it do does matter and it isn't fair, you know, and wouldn't it be fun if we could set that straight and have the light of truth, you know, just shine in like Gandalf's staff and kind of just bringing justice and a, a, um, a system of sense and logic and conscience back. And so I think a lot of that starts with money, actually. Um, the, the monetary system you know, the Federal Reserve and these central banks. Um, in Europe, it's slightly more complicated, but definitely the Federal Reserve is a private institution. It's not It's not government. It's, as someone said, it's as federal as Federal Express. It's a private company. 
Um, and it's the third central bank America has had, um, I would say, been plagued with because the first two were ended for similar reasons where people said, mm, no, then they're kind of a parasite. They're helping themselves. They're not helping the people. And I suppose most people who work in them, I'm sure they think they're doing a good thing, but it seems like, you know, it sure seems like at the, the highest level, the, um, there's uh, institutions um, which are very, very traditional, if you get my meaning. Not traditional in the sense of like maybe a few hundred years old, like the traditions of, you know, solving people's problems, you know, um, free trade, I solve your problem, you give me money. Mutually beneficial voluntary exchanges. Not that traditional, a bit more traditional. More like the traditions of slavery or um, might is right. Uh, that kind of really, really old school tradition. It seems like there are people and powers at at the, the helm of these institutions, the central banks of the world. And maybe some of them are good, I don't know. But um, the um, it sure looks like, you know, from what I've got, I've, you know, full disclosure, I don't know. But from what I know so far, the money system, the people who print the money, um, they're private institutions and they're the exemplars. They're like the, the Oscar winners, the Leonardo DiCaprio's of corporate greed. And um, just got a little something on my microphone there. And uh, they seem to be um, of the mind that they have the right uh, um, to pursue extracting money from the normal people much like I extract tomatoes from my tomato plant or I, I, I pluck chamomile flowers and dry them to make some nice tea. Um, that like, this is just the way it is. It's all natural. These are the harvests. Those who can't understand clearly aren't descended from, the, you're not the scion of some ancient lofty dynasty um, and so you wouldn't understand, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're, you can look into the creature from Jekyll Island. There's a book about this. Um, what was the other thing? Oh uh, yeah. There's this guy who wrote a book called, um, central banking and the enslavement of mankind by, uh, he was a former director of the South African central bank. This guy was an insider. He was part of the central bank and he said, I, cu I couldn't believe it. It was, I'm telling you, it's all a, a scam. It's all a fraud. They're after, they're after the resources and nothing else. It's not about freedom. They're not there for a nice cup of rooibos on the Transvelt and looking at the, the Reeboks and hanging out together in the spirit of friendship and brotherhood and fraternity. I'm telling you, they're after your soul. That's what he said, word for word. Um, but uh, so, you know, and again, you know, uh, Wise man on the mountain says it doesn't really matter that these systems are unfair and that um, money, although it's at the root of, you know, because these systems, when, that's at the root of, I think, money being in politics also. And so try to remove money from politics. But these people, you know, there's a good, some people make the argument that, you know, John F. Kennedy was trying to remove the central bank and then he got, you know, he disappeared. Interesting. Other people have tried to do this and then they disappear. So I don't know, but it is interesting. Um, it's not beyond 
the realm of um, possibility that these people were assassinated um, because they were threatening powers. And I'm sure those powers, if that did happen, then definitely those powers thought that it was the right thing to do to protect the harvests and keep the operation going. Um, and they probably thought it was all fair as fair, if this is what happened. Um, but money in politics and these systems where it seems like the government is out of control and um, it has uh, monopolized, like it's the way that money is um, made is they're allowed to print as much as they want and um, it, it can hook up their corporate buddies with it. Um, you know, is that fair? Did you agree to that? Did you consent? Do you consent? I don't consent, you know. Um, now the spiritual man on the mountain or woman, you know, um, yeah, would s say not only is it fine that it's all part of it is as it is and that's fine, you know, zoom out where the pale little blue dot in the middle of space, it's not so serious. And that's true, yeah, I agree with that. Um, and it's no need to get your knickers in a twist uh, but um, at the same time, and part of that is that it's necessary for our evolution, I think. These sorts of institutions and these sorts of injustices, as I would call them, because I feel like that's not fair, um, and we could have an honest, open conversation, and I think most people would say it's not fair. So then, you know, I'd say the people in general, 99%, would say, yeah, that's not fair. Maybe 0.1% would say, no, we think it is fair. We think it's very fair indeed. Um, well, that's fine, but whose who's reality is realer? You know, people who maybe think, oh, yeah, but we're very educated, so we know more, even if you have bigger numbers. But at a certain point, it's like, are you sure you're not crazy? <laughs> you know, and I think you are, unfortunately. Um, you know, very clever, crazy people who are out of touch with their conscience and their soul and their brothers and sisters. Um, but it's kind of, uh, I think it's all part of the evolutionary process of consciousness on the planet. And this, um, these systems are natural. They're a natural extension of my own psychology, your own psychology, all of our own psychology. If we were in those positions of power, that is the way it would go. If you came from, if you had that brain and that upbringing, and maybe if you were, you know, you would make different choices do your soul's free will? I don't know. Maybe. I would hope that my soul would make different choices. But who knows? Um, but definitely the currents, you can understand why people born into a system of those social circles or families or institutions would um, kind of perpetuate these traditions of um, parasi parasitic um, domination and hegemony over the planet, um, which previously were national but then international and now seemingly global um and you know the great reset stuff all it sure looks like there's kind of this global attempt to um, assert sovereignty over the people by a small shadowy elite um and maybe they think it's all for the best you know um i hope they do because then that means they're a bit more evolved than if they're just doing it for selfishness um but nonetheless it's misguided but um, so this is, I guess, the dark side of money and um, zooming out like geopolitics. But I think a lot of people, when, say, I'm saying this, um, even me, I'm thinking, oh, should I say that? Is that a little too candid? Well, why not? You know, so that's good for my evolution where I'm being, yeah, be more honest. Good. Say what you think. 
Um, and again, again, I'm not saying I know this. I'm saying some things I know, but a lot of these things where I go into spicier territory, I'm like, I don't know this, but this is the impression I have. Um, that's completely honest, and that's completely backed up by evidence. What I just said, right? This is my impression, but I don't have enough evidence to be sure. And I think I wish a lot more people would talk like that. Like, hey, it seems like the planet's being taken over by oligarchs. That's the impression I get. Man, I have the same impression. Maybe we should go check that that's not happening. Um, and, oh, what do you know? A lot of people think that's happening. A lot of smart journalists and stuff. Um, so maybe if, you know, certain authoritarian laws are brought in um, over something which isn't actually that dangerous, but it's told, you're told it's very dangerous. Interesting. Maybe you would think that a coup was in place. Um, and maybe you'd be, you know, leaning toward that assumption. Um, so, but, but yeah, so one example would be me, like becoming less afraid of looking crazy, being like, yeah, sure, I'll tell you what I think. I think probably, you know, there's this kind of, these billionaires trying to run the planet, you know, um, and not all of them, you know, think about, you know, just because you have money doesn't mean you're evil or like part of some cabal. But if you had money, like look at most humans, you know, a lot of people, they're not, we're not wise enough to be able to have that much power and influence. And a lot of people want money because of the power it can give them, the influence over others, right? Um, you can make people do what you want, tell you how good you are and all that. Um, I think a, a lot of, yeah, most people probably wouldn't be able to resist the lure of that, you know? Um, and yeah, I don't know if I would be able to. I would hope that I could, but I don't know. Um, now, so, but then also um, for the, ever, like a lot of people say, when I'm saying this, people might think, or you might be thinking like, oh man, that's a bit like conspiratorial. That's a bit crazy, you know? And then, and yet I'm very careful with like to avoid being crazy and thinking crazy things. I'm like, you've no idea, actually. I'm very obsessive about it, you know? I'm very, very, very careful to take a curious, I'm in, like just very curious. So I, I want to know what's real. It's like maybe more than anything, you know? Um, uh, I was trying to think recently, do I, what's more important? Like feeling good or seeing clearly? I was like, I don't know. I was just thinking it through, like, hmm. Um, but I kind of leant toward feeling good because I think you need to feel good in order to see clearly, I think, properly. Like feel good in the deeper sense of like spiritual vibrations. But then also seeing clearly makes you feel good when you see really clearly. But who knows? Maybe it's two sides of the same coin of physical presence, just being here embodied um, in the kind of presence state of uh, pure consciousness. Could be. Anyway, but um, but maybe you're, you're you're thinking, oh my god, like that's kind of these that's some pretty spicy ideas. I don't know if I believe in that. So I think again, the fact of these people monopolizing money and the control of the money systems, it's so outrageously like what? How is that possible? Um, that I think it's a, kind of like a gym for our minds, where it's like that's also encouraging us to become. People might deny it or go no no way or mock it, but then so there's that process of kind of eventually about maybe I should look into this. And so there's this tension there where people don't want to believe it. And so I think that also, and you know, I felt that for sure in the past. I was like, that's ridiculous. Um, uh, but then, you know, over time, 
So it's it, it's like you're a video game of consciousness and how honest can you be with yourself and how diligent and careful and thorough can you be with actually going, what do I know? What do I not know? Um, you know what, what do I know is a yes? What do I know is a no? And what's in the maybe pile? And am I actually totally sure that maybe I put some things in the no pile but really belong in the maybe pile? Or in the maybe pile, they're in the yes pile or whatever. You know, but um, so money, um, and then I guess this segues into the idea that money is the root of all evil. Um, uh, so I think no, money isn't the root of all evil, but it's it's pretty it's it's a pretty thick branch, pretty close to the trunk, you know. Um, but I think the root of all evil is um, the unconscious human mind unconsciousness or we could say the human mind in its we could say the human mind yeah the human mind has many great things about it too but um it has a capacity to create narratives about what's going on to model a situation in 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 the mind it models a situation oh i think there are rich people and there are workers and the rich people are exploiting the poor people oh oh my god yeah look at this situation that perfectly maps on and this one it also maps on there oh yeah and over there oh my god this makes sense of all of history great hammer and sickle let's get to work boys you know then yeah whoa 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 whoa. have you checked any other narratives that maybe they fit on and maybe even better because there's a few holes in that narrative look this thing here contradicts it blah 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 i don't want to hear don't don't tear apart my narrative it feels very comforting i know what's going on now well hold on hold your horses um, hold your fire-breathing dragons of utopian disaster. Um, let's check. What about um, there are um, governments, there are armed bureaucracies, and there are other people. And the people can include businessmen, rich people, or poor people. Um, the armed bureaucracy could have rather poor people in, in it. Um, maybe some zealots, fanatics, who are you know being treated poorly by the system, but they're they're absorbed by the ideology. They believe in it. And so you've got this state apparatus, this network of offices and, you know, uh, tax-free cars and perks and, like, salaries and but and a, bu- a bunch of guys with guns, like police, military, etc., um, SWAT teams, you know, um, and the courts and the bureaucrats and the politicians um, and and the judges, well, the courts, right? Um that uh, this system, and you know, I know many people who I love who are you know in these systems. So I'm not saying these are all bad or whatever. Um, but one narrative might be that like, oh yeah, all those people, you know, it's them against us. And then maybe people start hating the police or they start hating judges, or whatever. And that, and they go, oh, actually, that narrative, yeah, it makes that maps onto history and things that we know. In fact, better than the Marxism, you know, narrative does. Um, interesting. Cool. Okay, so that's it. It's like, well, but, and, and it's got fewer contradictions, you know, within itself and with other evidence we know about. Um, but then you might go, well, hold on. You, you're saying all oh, police are bad or all this, but, you know, my friend is a cop and he's a really good guy, you know? So what the hell? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I okay. get, mm. well, and then, oh, I just push that away, ignore that. And then, you know, over time, you can start to notice more and more contradictions and try to imagine more and more narratives. And you can try to get closer to reality. But especially when um, strong emotions come up, when there's a crisis, you go, look, 
stop talking. We need, this is the narrative and it says that this is the problem and this is the solution. So A, A to C, we need to go through B. This is what we're doing, you know, um, to be or not to be. And uh, so, and then if you say, well, well, I think your narrative is wrong. They go, hey, you're wasting time. How am I going to get to C via B if you keep talking? Shut your mouth. We're doing this, you know? And so people get this sense of this primal, like, mm -mm, you're about to mess it all up. Stop, you know, get out of the way. You don't understand. And that's, I think, with the COVID era, you had a lot of that. And, you know, with Nazi Germany, you probably had a lot of that. Like, oh, the, the Jews are about to take over. What are you doing? We got, you're like, no, they're our brothers and sisters. Oh, don't give me that. And, you know, um, so in all these situations, and I see it with the Ukraine thing at the moment, very sadly, there's these narratives, um, which, and um, uh, I was talking to a, a friend of mine recently, a very intelligent guy who's kind of saying he thinks World War III is inevitable, um, more or less. Um, and that, you know, we need to go to war with Russia um, because they've out, overstepped the boundary. And I was saying, look, I think there's been um, wrongs done on both sides and we need peace talks. And he was saying, well, no, but then that's giving too much space to the Russians. Then they're going to be able to refuel, resupply. And, you know, we need to, like, keep up the pressure. And so I could see he made a very good argument, very, very sophisticated, the most sophisticated argument I've heard for that side. Um and yet, I'm still coming back to, look, there's holes in that. We need much more time to talk about it, but we didn't have enough time. And so all I was able to kind of try to communicate is like, look, you know, um, war is not a good idea. This could escalate to nuclear war. Then everything's screwed. Um, and we need to have peace talks and just whatever works to bring peace and sovereignty to Ukraine, right? So allow the Russians to feel like they've had some sort of real victory, or maybe they'll actually have a real victory of some sort. Um, maybe like, okay, de demilitarization of Ukraine. They say that the eastern um, districts of Ukraine where ethnic Russians live were being um, shelled and attacked for like six years. Um, some, a bunch of people say that's true. Other people say it's not true. I don't know. But um, And then and they say, you know, Ukraine, there's a, a coup. We're getting a bit off topic, but I'll just wrap this up. But... It's a good example, right? Um, that uh, and then the other side saying, "No, yeah, they're all, you know, it's all Russia being aggr aggressive." So you have different narratives, and people aren't really taking the time to check each other's um, narratives. Where's the evidence? Where are the contradictions? And so the mind ha builds maps the world with these narratives, but um, and when people get in the way, it, it kind of in these intense situations, the mind. Um, will behave illogically. Um, and so bringing this back to money, the root of all evil is not money, um, but it is the human mind when it is unable to have um, pure consciousness. When the thinking mind is all there is, it's got these narratives. But you need consciousness, the eye of Horus, right? You need pure awareness to step in and look at this, look at that, and just have that um, space of thoughtless, funny term, thought is empty of thought, but it's very thoughtful, you know, um, to have that to be able to judge different narratives and compare them. And um, to basically consciousness, it's this unbiased, you step outside of these narratives and you can kind of assess things more logically and uh, evenly. And um, so... That would be my, you know, I know it's a bit of a digression, but I think it's important. Um, 
people lay the blame for all the problems of the world on money. But I think closer to the truth would be power. The people who are doing it for money, mostly they want money for power, like status, influence, and then direct ability to control people through buying things or buying people off or whatever. Um, or, you know, threatening people through, oh, I'll pull out my investment in this company if you do that. Or So power would be closer to the truth. And even closer than that would be um, the the human mind um, when it is unable to be observed by consciousness. When your consciousness cannot, if you, and you know, I'm sure a bunch of people, um, I don't know, uh, hopefully a bunch of people listen to this, um, and because uh, I think it's, you know, things of import, clearly, you know, um, then uh, a certain amount of us here would be like, what, what's he talking about? I don't get it. Because it's not like that common to actually have that experience. It's something we really need to practice. And I wish we were taught in schools. Um, I stumbled into a friend of mine, got me into Buddhism a bit, and then I got interested in it. And, and not just Buddhism, but just general, th- the fact that you are able to observe your mind. You are not your mind. And you think oh, you have these problems, or you think that person's a problem, or you think money's a problem, but actually these narratives, um, uh, you, they're a prison, they're a prison, and um, they are the real real problem. And uh, some people's narratives say, I need to get money at all costs. Other people's narratives say, I can't trust this group of people or whatever. But at the end of the day, um, the ability to just step outside of a narrative and just look at it as, oh, there are some thoughts. Um, that's the key to avoiding all of our problems. And evil, I think, is basically um, the inability uh, to connect to your own consciousness, to your own um, silence within, like this. So I wasn't thinking, you know? So we can do that. And then... When you start thinking again, it's kind of you've reset the clock a bit um, and you've got fresh thoughts and you're able to kind of control your mind a bit better. So there you go. That would be my humble uh, take on the root of evil. So money, anything else to mention? Um, I guess I would say um, I wish you... Wealth, mostly spiritual, but then also material, if that's what you want. Um, I wish you and all beings uh, in the big, wide universe the ability to have what we want and to realize our dreams, both to understand our dreams and to make our dreams become real, to realize our dreams um, within the, the boundaries of natural law, to wit that... May you have all that you want, which doesn't prevent others from having what they want. And so therefore, the overlap, the overlap of the Venn diagram is where, okay, oh, we're in dispute about who gets what. You know, you want to play drum and bass at two in the morning and I, I want to sleep. And so we negotiate those things individually or through the courts or through law, English common law, great system. It would be a decentralized system again of like, oh, the, the, the judge you know, goes, well, similar situations, this was done and that was done and goes, okay, mm, what makes sense applying those principles here? 
if they make a bad decision, a superior court would cut it down, um, strike it down and say, no, 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 that's better. But you have this decentralized system of negotiating our conflicts and where our free will overlaps disharmoniously, um, discordantly. But uh, most of the time, you know, we're able to do whatever we want and and we can have our, our fun without um, depriving others of that ability. And uh, it would be nice if certain of the more powerful members of our race uh, were um, to become obse- uh, possessed of the desire to embody this more and more. Um, and starting with ourselves, you know. But um, so may you have all that you want uh, within reason with, and why, without preventing others from enjoying their freedom. Um, and uh, if you want money, whether for possessions or experiences or status or relationships or whatever, may you have it. But more importantly, may you have the consciousness of what you really want and what can get you what you want. And may you thereby live wisely and skillfully uh, enjoying your experience and being a positive influence uh, on the world and improving the song of this orchestra um, and... uh, contributing uh, a fitting harmony. God bless everybody. Go make that money. Dollar, dollar bills.